Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. Monday means that Hank Vogler, White Pine County, Nevada Commissioner, steps in to tell us about eating sparrows in China. Maybe bald eagles, too. Uh, when you throw everything in that hot pot, and uh, the only thing I know for sure is when you put your pig brains in there, if you leave them in there too long, they just dissolve, which <laughs> if you really don't want to eat the pig brains, you just let them dissolve. That's kind of a way to get around. <laughs> you still eat still them, don't the you? <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not as mushy in your mouth if there's kind of you can kind of sip them. Yeah, I yeah. Um, well, I think the human species for a very long time uh, wasn't so particular about eating. It was uh, their major objective was to keep their belly button from banging into their backbone. And if they got a liking to sparrows, they got a liking to horse meat, camel, uh, rabbit. Steptoe Valley, according to the natives here, was a great place to hunt rats. So. Uh, and I'm sure that they were, you know, there there was no welfare truck going to come by with abundant food. They had to survive. So they learned mm -hmm. to survive on what was available in the area. That is the moral of the story. And it shows how complacent we have become that food has become so abundant. And I have no doubt that in China, they're still eating things that are we would never fathom to eat because nutrition's hard to come by. No matter what the source. You bet. Yeah. And 1.4 billion people, China, India, there's other countries, you know. But the, the migration here is shocking, but the migration is all over the world. Uh, and you can do whatever you want, but it really has to do with instant communication. Mm -hmm. The people in some poor country can go, hey, you know, if we could somehow get into India. They pay more wages there, so then we could, you know, fix the roof on our house. We could get a maybe something great like a television. So instead of making more kids, the old man go to sleep in front of the TV, and it's like birth control. You know, I mean, all these things is, is, is instantly available all over the world. You, you had to throw in that <laughs> it's like birth control. <laughs> well... I all I had to play with when I was a kid was my sense of humor. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you never outgrew it. That's good to know. All right, so <laughs> well, uh, all of this conversation stems from what Andrew and I were talking about today on Across the Pond, and uh, we were talking about eating sparrows, and we're talking about blackbirds. They still have some rhyme about eating blackbirds in the UK, and. It ended up, we talked about barking up the wrong tree. What do you suppose the origin of that is? Four and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie. No, that has nothing to do with bar barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> but that is the nursery rhyme. Well, you sang that as a kid, too? Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, <clears throat> in one of the wet markets that I was in, uh, as I was walking down row after row of half pigs, little baby pigs, probably pigs that 
when they butchered the sow, they took the little baby pigs to town also, you know, through, uh, and then I got down and I go, wait a minute here. Uh, <clears throat> pigs don't have canines. And then I got to looking <laughs> and sure enough. Teeth are a little uh, <laughs> tough, a little um, gnaw-like, huh? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> wait a minute, okay. pigs don't have canines. <laughs> but the, that was in the same road when you've went on, you know, it's like the chickens. They had chickens that were purple, had chickens that were poor as crows, others, you know, uh, you could get live chickens, live pheasants. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But it it, it wasn't, uh, you know, <laughs> you know who 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 wants to eat a tongue anymore? My when we butcher a beef, my wife takes that tongue and and we have tongue, we have oxtail, we have all kinds of things that, that and it's not she's not starving to death, and I guess me either. But tradition, family, they've done it for a gazillion years. Yep. I, beef tongue is fantastic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Especially how, in a brown gravy. Cook, how, oh, she cooks in a brown gravy. I think yeah. I think we pickled it more than anything. Although I have to tell you, I haven't had beef tongue for a while. I must be getting fat, sassy, and complacent. No. How about pickled pig's feet? That was I'm, always a treat to get a jar of pickled pig's feet. So You, you know, yeah. it used to be you would see those in grocery stores and gas stations, I don't anymore. wonder why that is. Yeah. And pigs are cheap. Uh, well, and just the fact that probably, ew, I, ne I never eat that. Well, yeah, you know, if your gut's growling hard enough and and uh, uh, you don't have anything to eat, pickled pig's feet would taste like filet mignon. Yeah. These are the same people telling you you're going to eat crickets that tell you that pickled pig's feet sounds bad. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've eaten dog meat. Didn't kill me. And actually, it tasted better than horse. But the creme de creme, of course, is a, a whooping crane. They're the best. Cool. I, was, I heard it tastes like bald eagle. That's what I heard. It does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of <clears throat> fine dining, this was actually prompted to me. And um, if you go do a search, and I don't know if you've talked to any of our mutual friends from Australia. I do from time to time. This lamb situation has gone from kind of a bad deal to looking horrendous in Australia. And when Australia suffers in the lamb production phase everybody will pay the price so you, what's going on with that well the middle east and and of course the socialist government in australia says no more live exports which probably is really isn't a bad idea they just need to bring the high priest there you know most of that lamb goes to the middle east and if they would bring in the high priest to do the hail mary full of grace or whatever they say and and uh, hang the lamb up and send it to him in boxes and containers. And then it would take less room. It, the energy spent, everything would be better. But the live import market is, is whatever it is, tradition. And, and so if you can't ship it alive, it's going to come to the United States in cold storage, it looks like to me. 
I, where else can it go? And with, they're already captured like uh, their the imports of, of uh, lamb and mutton to the United States is like 700% or better over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So you throw all of that in, you kill another industry, mostly, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> you, you want to feel sorry for yourself. Those poor guys in California, goat herders, sheep herders, all of that. They get a heck of a salary now. They get overtime. They get all of these extra special benefits. But the lamb that they're selling, even at $2 a pound, will not cover the cost of raising them. So, uh, but they but they want them to control the weeds and the underbrush in the forest. Of course, they don't want log either. So, I mean, all they don't want to make biomass fuel and create energy. I mean, all of these things, we are not any longer chasing our tail. We have got a hold of our tail, and we're just about to fall over sideways, I believe. I mean, how much more ridiculous can we get? Well, I think much more, and we'll pay the price. But in this last minute, you bring up a a conversation that I've never even had when I was in Australia, because Australia has become so dependent upon live exports, and that's what they're trying to shut down. Why did Australia never develop? more of a full you full uh value added program because i've been in a lamb plant i went into a lamb plant owned by the same people on the lamb plant that you sell your lambs to that ultimately end up there because there's only two in the united states why did they allow themselves as a country and an industry with 70 million sheep to be t- completely dependent upon a live export instead of having the processing infrastructure to take care of that that's what we'll pick I up with Hank Wogler when we come back with the second segment of Rural Route. More after this. I had a good conversation with Greg Hager over the weekend, continuing to hit the highway, bringing his cowboy wisdom to the forefront through entertaining. That's why he's Cowboy Entertainer of the Year, because he's bringing wisdom. He's not just singing songs. He's not singing about drinking and cheating. He's talking about what's rooted in life. Greg Hager and his country roots will keep you in boots. The people of the, this nation who wear boots make a difference. That is the moral of the story. Check out Greg Hager online. Greg Hager, H-A-G-E-R. You go to greghager.com. It's that simple. Book him to come to your event or find out what his tour schedule is. Better yet, the CDs are right there. GregHager.com. Country Roots, keeping you in boots. That's the moral of the story. Check it out today, and you'll send me a thank you. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. I posed this big question before the break, didn't give him time to answer. Now go. Okay. Um, If you follow the flavor of Koran that there's, I mean, there's Sunnis, there's Shias, there's Houthis. They're no different than in this country as far as we're all Christians. Most are Christians or Jewish, but they have different flavors of it. But mm-hmm. if you follow the strict Quran, you're only supposed to feed on intact males, which includes the tail and the testicles and everything. You do not do anything to them. Then you take them to the high priest. And he gives it the Hail Mary full of grace or whatever and takes this machete and slits the throat. Mm-hmm. 
And that is strictly of their preferred religion. Now, that makes a heck of a difference really quick. When, And I thought that this is what shocked me, is I thought that maybe certain countries have done this, but they have allowed the high priest to come and do the halal right. at the slaughterhouse door. We, and we, we do halal in the United halal. States. Yes, we do. Yes, that was my next comment. So uh, it's just a matter of this boatload of sheep that has to have hay. It has to have all these kind of things. It's got to be more expensive because when it comes here, it comes here in little frozen packets. Right. And, and like, it, like it or not, uh, I've, I've got a couple of those packets in my refrigerator, freezer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard to explain to a Chinese wife that – that is not American lamb, and let's not be buying that. <laughs> but I like lamb. I want lamb. Okay, okay. Buy it. Buy it. Get you some Australian lamb. <laughs> that, so we that's so typical. You've got 10,000 sheep right out the front door, and you go to the store to buy an Australian lamb chop. That's a little troubling. Yeah, that, yeah that makes Go ahead and tell me that makes sense, and then, and you'll owe me a cigar. <laughs> I, yeah, okay, I don't but, know why, but that's that is the moral of the story as it ties into eating blackbirds. We have created a system where thousands—I don't even know how many thousands of miles away Australia is down under—but you can efficiently get lamb from Australia to North Spring Valley, Nevada efficient enough and cost-effective enough to feed you. That's what we're trying to get rid of, that efficiency and infrastructure to deliver food anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, and once again, uh, it keeps a pretty good handle on your people. If you happen to be in the government and say, you know, the, the boogeyman now is Iran, uh, so... It, you tell your people that this is this is what you should eat, and this is only thing that you should eat, uh, and you have a following with that. I don't suppose everybody in Iran, if they're hungry, uh, mm -hmm. that won't butcher a female. All females are dirty, which always astonishes me. The the purebred Muslim people, uh, we have these people in the United States. The cause to protect the Muslim people to where a goat has about as much right as a woman does in their country uh yeah. i think we've got women's rights too so the confusion and, and is every everywhere. dude came from a woman you can't be here without a woman so get over it yeah uh, doggone it and i wanted to be a test tube baby you know oh but you still have to have the spermatozoan from the male oh doggone it, how still that takes happens. a well, sperm and an egg hank i'm sorry to break it to you yeah and there's two there's two you know <laughs> Like the like the guy that goes to the doctor and the and he says, um, "Well, Bill," and the guy says, "Hey, uh, I'm transgender. Call me Sally." And he says, "Okay, Sally, you've got prostate cancer." <laughs> <laughs> what 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 can you do? <laughs> oh, cancer is never funny, but Hank Boger can put it in a perfect light. Uh, okay, so, so I don't, we, we don't know the answer to this question, but I'm still now perplexed by how you have positioned it. Why Australia, which is so dependent upon livestock, 
cattle. And now, shockingly, their pig production, since I was there the last time, has exploded and they're producing more pigs than ever. In fact, I think pig consumption, pork consumption is past lamb consumption. And why does this country, who is so dependent upon livestock, not put together the infrastructure to sell all of the livestock they produce by the piece? I have no idea. And 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 why the legislature in Australia, I mean, talk about cutting your nose off to spite your face. Now, maybe they're raising more pigs for export because, again, Muslim countries are not supposed to eat pork or, or Jewish folks don't eat pork. But China will eat that pork. Uh, maybe that's part of it. it. It's like New Zealand has gone out of the half, have the number of sheep that they have there and going into dairy. And most of the dairy, I suppose, in cheese or I don't think it's in chilled milk, but they go. it goes to China. So it's a matter of international trade. And if you could figure out how to send blackbirds to England for a pie, uh, there'll be a market there if somebody want, you know, is used to that sort of dish. So, I don't, you know, it's just it has to do as much as trade. But it also has to do with the migration of people, just in the fact that if you're living in, in, in the South Pacific and the pay scale in the next country over is triple what it is there, you're going to try and figure out how to get a hold mm -hmm. of that so you can have a better life for your family. Okay, so this is what I had in my back of my mind, and now I, I just pulled it up. And this is a trend of per capita meat consumption in Australia since 2013, and it's through 2021. So it doesn't have the last two years on there. Poultry uh, in 2013 per capita, per capita consumption. This is in Australia. This is per capita, not production. Per capita consumption, not production. So they had 40 kilos and today at 44. So that has gradually increased. Here's what I was thinking. Uh, pork, which was significantly behind beef, but yet ahead of lamb in 2013, is now past beef per capita consumption. So they're consuming uh, both of them at, tw at 20 kilos, but pork just ahead of beef. And lamb consumption was at 8.7 kilos in 2013. It has fallen to 5.9 when Australia is losing per capita consumption of lamb. This is not a good thing for the world's lamb market. Well, and possibly one of the reasons it became expensive was the fact that it that it was maybe going into that live trade. You know, that some you know, I've heard the horror stories of they get all the way to Saudi Arabia or to Iran or wherever and the guy comes out and goes, "No, nah, we don't want them." It just happened. Well, it just happened in December. Yeah. They had a ship sitting yeah. at at port for two months with these live animals on there, and they wouldn't let them unload. 30,000 head. And it yeah. comes back to so, the original question. Why did Australia, and, and by the way, just for the folks knowing, the Australian population, I, I'd have to look that up, but I think it's 25 million. So it's, their per capita consumption isn't indicative of what they produce because they don't have any people. But as Hank's right. point, it's about exporting to these other countries. I still don't understand why they didn't build the infrastructure to export product instead of animals. I got to find out. 
Well, I imagine when they go to England, they send a lot of it to England, uh, or used to. I'm sure it's boxed lamb, just like boxed beef in a refrigerated container that's unloaded on the docks of uh, of England in, in the Thames River or whatever. So, yeah, it's been an export market from day one. They always produced more than their people could consume. But the diet of the American, the Australian, everybody's diet is changing. Every time you pick up any kind of a magazine, they tell you you should eat this, you shouldn't eat that. Oh, don't ever, don't eat peanut butter now. I saw a deal on that. Uh, don't eat certain kinds of fish. I thought fish was always a thing you had to eat if you wanted any kind of health about you. Well, there's several flavors you're not supposed to eat. I mean, it, somebody comes up with something every day. Uh, when my sister was getting all of her degrees in nutrition, why butter was horrible and animal fats was, well, now those things have completely reversed. Now it's hydrochloride, not hydro, what is it? Hydrogenated. All of those things are bad. Uh, well, look at clothing, wool clothing. It's a renewable natural resource. But what do we do? We wear oil. We wear oil, yeah. synthetic and, fibers and, on our hide. And, and we chase haired sheep so we don't have to shear them. What's wrong with this picture? We're back with second half. <laughs> Roll route. Hank Vogler after this. Input costs are high. And when it comes to pest control, chemicals are the most expensive component we use in food production. That's why Precision Agriculture and Apache sprayers are in high demand because you get the job done with the least input possible, a very simple machine to run, great visibility, tremendous service. More details about High Plains Apache on the web, highplainsapache.com or simpsonfarm.com. It's all about improving yield output. Welcome back, Rural Route, Trent Lewis, alongside Hank Vogler. Vogler, I have the data. On beef and lamb, I don't have anything but beef and lamb on exports of meat from Australia. Uh, we actually, the United well, let me back up, North America, they don't break it out as the United States, but North America in 2023 had a significant increase looks like a 118 uh, <laughs> percent and north america became australia's number one beef customer above china and japan what do you think of that uh why am i not surprised large yeah. population uh more affluent uh, you know, send a T-bone over to China right now and it'll get chopped up into little sugar cubes and it'll get thrown in the hot pot with the rest of it. They don't, uh, most of the people are not uh, affluent enough to, to eat T-bone steaks. Well, but yet the oxtail, the stomach, every part of their body, they will use and eat. China was the second. I have a boy working for me. There was, yeah, I have a guy working for me uh, that uh, when we butcher, he skins out the feet and he chunks it up. And, and, and I say, you don't have to eat that. No, no, I like it. I like it. I ate it all my life in my home country. And I, I don't know how many, a steer doesn't have enough meat on it to feed one person, but he... No. 
make soup out of it. And I'm not talking about the upper part that has meat on. I'm talking about the uh -huh. hooves and the and the ankles. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the hide, he boils and pulls the hide. That's kind of like boiling so, chicken feet and expecting to get a meal. Well, yeah, you got to eat a lot of chicken feet. I guarantee you I have. And, and <laughs> you, you got to got to sit down and you got to sit down and work at it, I'll tell you. And when you get done, you have a bigger pile of chicken feet bones and and, and everything than you do uh actual slaking your <laughs> appetite. You know, look, hey, well, how about India? Doesn't India have more cattle than anywhere else? Three hundred million. Eat them? Three hundred million yeah. head of cattle in India. Well, wait till somebody gets in the cow business down there. Maybe you got to trail them across into uh, Tibet or something. But I would think that you could go at any price. You could make money if I mean, it's like when they rounded up the cattle. In Texas, after the the Civil War, took them to Kansas to put them on the train. Once you got them all piled up, they were yours. So I don't know. And they trailed them to Abilene, Kansas, and got paid four dollars a head and created massive wealth. Yeah, that's what yeah. the steer was worth Figured in Abilene: out. four bucks a head. Yeah. Well, okay. This is no difference in what's going on right now. If you, everybody in the world is a capitalist, even the head of the Communist Party is a capitalist. He just doesn't want to admit it. They well, want he doesn't want anybody stuff. else to be capitalist now, in the country. He wants to be the only capitalist. Right. And I want to be in charge, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's talk. I know you hate to talk about this. Well, let's talk about the present debacle with the 300 and whatever gazillion dollar fine that poor old Donnie got out of New York. Now, let's think about this. I had, There's some legends in my family. My grandfather, during the Depression, during the mm -hmm. tough times, he always said that there was parity. Whatever you bought, you could buy a wainer pig, fatten it up with the price of the grain, and sell it at a profit, albeit a small profit. The problem was you couldn't get the money to buy the wiener pig or the grain to put in it. So... Because it was a little slower in those days. Now, this is the legend. I didn't know if this is true. He sends my father to the banker that's going to loan him short-term capital to pick up a note at exactly 12 noon because that particular banker, they knew him, liked to have those three martini lunches. So... This banker, hands timing is father, everything. <laughs> yes, hands my father a piece of paper that says we're willing to loan the voters this money, providing you are willing to uh, take on their property as collateral. And he gets the note, gives it to my grandfather. My grandfather drives as fast as he can to the insurance company or the federal land bank. I never did get who they were borrowing the money from with this note. Well, they also had a commitment from him that said, if the other guy will commit, we'll commit. Well, they didn't really have a commit from either one of them until they got both of them together. But they knew that the guy loaning them the money on the land was not going to get a hold of the guy. He didn't have a cell phone in the 1930s. Yeah. So, they got the thing put together and they paid everybody back. 
a little nefarious. Then I have heard a hundred times about another group of people, uh, some vast gentlemen that needed some operating money, but the, the sheep were only worth about 50 cents a head. Everything had gone completely kaput. So they got the banker his appraiser and they took a band of sheep by and then moved to the next band of sheep, which the Vasco gentleman had merely changed herders, dogs, and horses is the same band of sheep. And they only, he only had one band of sheep, but they loaned him the money as though he had five bands of sheep. And that was enough to cover the, uh, what he needed in these dark times. He, he, wait a minute. Whoa, okay. whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that I created the illusion with my banker that if I tuck him into my pasture from six different directions, he would think I had six times the number of cattle. There you go. And, and if it works, it works. If, if, the, if the, they don't have the expertise. Now, right here in downtown River City, several years ago, I had a neighbor ask me to go with these two bankers mm -hmm. to look at his stuff. He was in trouble financially, uh, whether it was his own making or not. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. So I take these two guys out. They're wearing suits. They had on uh, shoes that you wear in town. I don't know what they call them, but they're, they're not. They weren't Let's call them loafers, for anyway. lack of a better term. Yeah. Anyhow, they lace up shoes. But anyhow, I drive him around for three days looking at all this guy's stuff. And, of course, he asked me if when I went by my sheep, if I'd go ahead and say those were his and buy my cattle and say, yeah, go ahead and say those. His old banker had trusted him for years and years and years. And over a period of time, he got further behind and further behind. This guy retired. This is the brand new folks coming out. Well, guess what? I drove him around. I I did not want to get in on the deal, so I never said nothing about my cows or my sheep. But I showed him all of his stuff, all of his country, everything. Okay. They thanked me very much after about the third day of this. They had been to the BLM. They had been to the Forest Service. They they had all their efforts. They were basically appraisers. But suits or not, you know. Every mm -hmm. educated fellow ain't a plum green horn. That's how the song goes. They didn't loan him the money. They foreclosed on him. Yeah. He, he burned up his equity. Well, okay. Which one of those scenarios is exactly correct? Well, when you sell a house, the realtors will tell you if you could get within 60 to 70% of the price you put on the house, it's a good trade. Uh, farmland, the same way. There's two prices on farmland. This is what it all relates to. When you need to borrow some money because the price of your product is down and you want to borrow some money against your livestock, against your buildings, whatever it takes to one more flop of the dice, you're a heck of a gambler, but you're going to risk everything you've got. The banker's only going to pay you up to uh, loan you up to maybe 50%, 60% of the value of all of this stuff. So you're going to try and put a high value on it. I even once had a banker tell me, you need to put more value on these animals. And I go, oh, no, I don't want to be a paper millionaire. You just go ahead and use the figures I gave you. And he, I guess he wanted to loan me more money than I wanted to borrow. I don't know. But all of these things relate to the same thing. This is business. And if it's buyer beware, caveat emptor. If you're loaning somebody some money and you 
throw caution to the wind or maybe like me. They don't even come out and count my cows or my sheep anymore. They don't come out and do any inspections. I have a track record that's 20-some years long or 30 years long, 40 years long, whatever it is. I, they leave me alone. And they, they, they give me a line of credit. And, you know, basically backed up by the fact that uh, I'm dumb enough to keep doing this, I guess. And they don't want the darn property. But the two values of your ranch, my ranch, everybody's ranch is, is the blue sky that mm -hmm. somebody else is willing to pay you for the view. And then yeah. there's the value of what rolls off the end of that scale, whether it's wheat or pigs or chickens, whatever they weigh. That's what the actual value of what you can produce. But that is always a figure that is way lower than the blue sky figure. The blue sky is, my ain't it pretty. Let's buy this, honey. We can move back to Texas some other time, but this is a good place. <laughs> or what? I don't know. I, you know, it's like it's like me. Who built? They tell me I'm going to be dead in a few days. So I build a house. Did I, did I need this house? Absolutely not. Wait a minute. But I this knew. actually did happen. This is not what if. This it did happen. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I build this house to impress somebody else's wife. You could have the most efficient ranch in the state of Nevada, the most running like a brand new sewing machine ranch. And if you don't have a nice home for mama to live in, she's going to drag papa up the street by the worst ranch on earth with the most bullet holes in it ever or, or just absolutely never has worked. That's why it's for sale. I'm trying to pay for mine because I owed too much money. Well, so I get to live in this house because one time the old doctor was, well, he was wrong several times with this first particular time. But that's why I built this house. I, the shop you, built that just, first just, and the just bunk to, house. Just to clarify, you, you didn't build it to impress somebody else's wife. Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> I wanted to explain. The, the, you left the equation out of there. You wanted it to be marketable to somebody else's wife. You weren't trying to lure somebody else's wife That's away okay. from them. Okay. That's right. <laughs> We're back with, okay. with more Hank Vogler Roll Route Attracting Wives after this. I want to remind you about no2u.com, nitric oxide, number two, letter u.com. Dr. Nathan Bryan has all of the details about the science behind why you should take this nitric oxide supplement on a daily basis like I do. Trench your coupon code, no2u.com. Get healthy, get wise. Welcome back. It's all in the final fine details, <laughs> Hank. <laughs> you led everybody to well, believe that you were trying uh, yes, to lure somebody's <laughs> wife away. <laughs> well, not from him. But get get my family out of debt. He he can have her, you know. But that I guarantee you, that's you know. I mean, he he's going to be impressed by the shop and the bunkhouse, which yeah. was built first, because uh, I had a need for that. You know, I don't know how many times holding up a sheet of plywood while I'm crawled under a truck because we didn't have any place to get in and out of the wind and the snow and welding on a truck or fixing something or putting a seal in the rear end. Uh, 
with Leo holding a big old piece of plywood to keep from being blown out from under the truck by the wind. So yeah. that was important to me. But my old tar paper shack was fine with me. I could I could it walk around in, in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> and I fixed that hole. I put that piece of plywood over the sink where the floor rotted out. What the heck? Put yeah. a rug over it. So it, and, it looked, and, looked and God nice. has such a humor that now that you built this house to get somebody else's wife to buy it, you're still in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go figure that one. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my distractors. <laughs> I have one other quick thing I have to tell you. This is okay. this is a hooter for me. On the south end of this property that I'm in, this private land that hooks to private land, there's a sliver, maybe 0.25 of an acre, because I'm not sure how much the county road right away takes out. Okay. I guess this is supposed to intimidate me to the end of the earth and and I'll, I'll do something crazy. Well, this is as close to being crazy as I'm going to get. It's been surveyed by, by Southern Nevada Water Authority. They surveyed it. Don't know what it cost them. It was already surveyed once by Vidler mm -hmm. Water. They surveyed and surveyed and surveyed, I guess, to find their boundaries. But I took out a fence that was probably there for 120 years because people were always stealing the wire off of it to make these plaques that shows the different uh, metamorphosis of barbed wire and some of it went back to the 1880s so i put in a new fence uh never thought nothing about where i was on the line or anything there was a peg about 20 feet outside of my line uh that they'd put the vidler water put there i didn't know about the other one up on the hill which is not even going to be whatever but now <laughs> two days ago i go up there and they've sprayed red paint so it looks like to me their next move is going to be to move that fence 20.6 feet 20 and a half feet on one end down to zero on the other end it's just a sliver i don't claim it it's in my field i okay so what you know the uh, the ditch that they nobody's cleaned in the last 40 years when the water fills up on my side, goes down the ditch, but doesn't go anywhere. It splashes over into a hole because they never have fixed the ditch, things like that. But it looks like to me, and then the county road is right, right there. So how much of it is county road right away and how much of it is actually, I might be in trouble for building the fence and the county road right away. But anyhow, you're not yours because it's state. Your, st your state taxes at work. It looks like to me they're going to move this fence. With It's got my posts, my wire. They never contributed two cents to it. But it looks like so, they're lining her up to Hank, move that puppy. Hank, oh, you have a camera. You have a phone with a camera, correct? I'll send you the pictures. I want a video. I already took them. You got a video? I want video yeah. of what it's like now. I want a video of what they're doing while they're doing it, and I want a video afterwards, and then we will have some fun with this. Okay. I I assume, I don't know why they sprayed my post with red paint, which was gauche, so I went and sprayed them back with white paint, which is more, <laughs> you know, uh, changes the ambience. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, I mean, this is sixth grade crap. Yeah. You know? The, the the 
the guy with the big checkbook is is going to spend the taxpayers' money. I guess to teach me some sort of a, a lesson that putting a fence back that's been there for 150 years is now I'll show you. And and I, I think if you fenced up everything on that side of the county road, you could probably put a saddle horse in there for one, maybe two, three days tops. Three days. Uh, I was thinking would, it could be no it, feed a, whatsoever. It's in a ditch, for goodness sakes. Uh, there, there's no place. And then the rest is just an alkali, greasewood, bush covered place. I mean, it's just absolutely asinine. But boy, we're teach that guy a lesson. Uh, and my lesson is, I already knew it. They're yeah. stupid. They're people yeah. from the big city that thinks they can. They got the big dog. We're the big augers. We'll teach you little dummies out here how we're going to reinvent the wheel. Well, God love you. And they're wearing <laughs> the same shoes as the previous guy you talked about that came out there. Yeah. Not yep. wearing boots. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Fun, fun, fun. fun. All right, so I have to address this because you brought it up, and I know the analogy you're trying to make. Two, at least two times in the last six months on this very program, not on a Monday, we discussed usually with J.C. Cole that there would be lawsuits and fines against Donald Trump so big that he would make an announcement that he had to sell his property in New York and vacate pro and vacate New York because they're not treating him fair and all these other problems. This program, I can find this the clips. I have the audio clips, so we're saying that that was going to happen. When that does happen, you want to get ready because what I oh, see, boy. what I see taking place, Hank, and here's what I, I I put together, and some of this has come together just in the last week. When he leaves New York City is when the, the bomb is coming. And I don't know if it's in the form of a nuclear bomb. I don't know what's going to happen in New York City. But when it happens in New York City, it will be the trigger to tell all these sleeper cells it's time to activate. And I got a phone call. I can't tell you what state. I can't tell you anything because I promised not to share the story. But there was a sheriff that pulled over a couple people for speeding. He ran their, he ran their driver's license. Well, long story short, they were illegals, and he'd already handcuffed them because they had MI6, all, not on, excuse me, not MI6, MS, yeah, 13, tattoos. You saw in Chicago yesterday, there were people arrested that were gang activity in Chicago, MS13, same situation. What I'm predicting, and I don't want to be right, that when Donald Trump announces he's leaving New York, there will be something catastrophic happened in New York. It's part of the ploy. He's in on it. And then all of these sleeper terror cells are going to bring havoc to the rest of the country. Get ready. Well, know your sheriff and know what to do. That's my plan, my suggestion. That's what I'm doing. Okay. And all right. And you can deal with it. And I'll deal with it the way I see it. But I'll tell you who, what the exodus is going to be. If you're a banker and you loan with this with this ruling, if you're a banker and you loan money to Trent Loose mm -hmm. and Trent doesn't get to pay you back because the price of pigs goes to three cents a pound and the price of, of whatever else he produces goes to 15 cents a bushel, then aren't you going to be liable for the same thing? 
that somehow you messed up as you should have had your own appraisers. You should have had your own values correct. I mean, that's just absolutely takes the market away. So yeah, when Donnie leaves town, I guarantee you every banker with half a brain is going to leave town. It looks like to me because you're not going to want to do business. I mean, New York has always been the money capital of the world. And just like Hong Kong, just like Xi Jinping taking over Hong Kong, that place has fallen in the toilet. Well, New York, whatever it is with the we people, I'm telling you, the big shots are going to pull out of town, too. And then whatever their local economy is going to collapse, because the only way they can fund all these things is raise taxes. It's just they're cutting off their nose, spite their face. What's if the address of this, Park? What's the address of Trump Tower? Probably uh, Park Avenue. Six 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 Park Avenue. How tall is it? <laughs> I don't know. Six hundred feet. Plus, it has two foot columns that go up to equal six hundred sixty six feet. And what floor did Trump tell everybody he lived on? The top 66. floor, I'd assume. So despite there only being 58 floors, he repeatedly told people he lived on the 66th floor. Ah, I just, those are, you can verify any of that. It's, well, I, I think it's the time how is far, coming. How far back do you, how far back do you want to go? There's a water law, a federal water law that was passed by Pat McCarran, who's been out of the Nevada politics and dead for a gazillion years. And it's like CFR 666. It has to do with water law, and I now all of I don't you doubt that to... all of those are tied together, Hank. I think they well, all are. I think it's been in the works. This I guess long. we're going to get to live to see it. We but, are. But, it's uh, an exciting time. Glad I'm here now. Yeah. I thought I wanted to be here when those cattle were coming out of Texas to Abilene, Kansas. Turns out I want to be here now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it, there is always something going on in the world, and there's people behind the scenes pulling the strings. At, at every level. I mean, I am sure that when George Washington's at his inauguration, somebody come up to him and said, Hey, George, I can make you a deal on some rifles I'm for your sure army that you're going to have to put together. Now let's get it done. And, and People. I'll get you, I'll, I'll, I'll get you some money back on the side or whatever, but something I'll get you some wooden teeth. I don't know. In fact, today on Trent on the Loose, we talk about the Whiskey Rebellion because it was George Washington who promoted freedom and liberty and gave us the Constitution. And then in 1791, led a militia of 13,000 to put down farmers who were trying to simply make a living. And you know who had this distillery? George Washington, after he got out of office, yeah. Yeah. had one of the largest distilleries ever. Right. And making whiskey. <laughs> yeah, well, it made sense to me. It made sense to him. Get rid of your competition. <laughs> That'll do it. We've successfully journeyed down the path connecting food producers, food consumers. Frank Bugler, I'm Trent Luce. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. I want to remind you about Tender Beef, Great Plains cattlemen working together in the common goal of producing a Tender Beef supply is achieved every single time. I can say that with confidence because we test every single calf to make sure the tenderness gene is present. The Piedmontese cattle possess this gene and some Eilstatin gene possess it naturally. 
Well, they possess two mutant copies of the gene, which means you get rapid muscle growth and the fibers are very tender. You, the consumer, reap the rewards. Regional production and beef on a tender basis. CPBeef.com. You can order more than just beef, but check out the beef at CPBeef.com.